0: A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based, hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine and has some of the best products out there, including their just released 15 and 60 Go boxes. These are durable, stackable dust and watertight storage that's great for organizing and transporting all your favorite gear to and from the field. I actually got to test some of these this past season and put them through the paces traveling from hunt to hunt. It kept my stuff accessible and protected. Practical in so many situations from raft trips down the river to elk camp in the Rockies, it's nearly indestructible go anywhere storage that's now available. Hey everyone, welcome back to Live Wild Podcast. If you joined us last week, we talked about shooting into the wind. I know a lot of people really enjoyed that topic, Um, just learning how to practice in the wind with their archery equipment. And that's one thing that you can never put enough emphasis on, is just practicing the things that we're talking about. I honestly can't believe it's already March. It's like this year's flying by. And one of the things that I'm really excited about this year is... A lot of people always ask, oh, hey, I'd love to go on a hunt with you. How do I do that? And honestly, the the options are very limited. Although I do guide a lot, um, the availability really isn't there. So what I decided to do is give people an opportunity or a chance to win what I would consider a dream hunt with me. Um, we're going to be giving away a hunt in New Zealand for free-range fallow deer. So stay tuned to the end of this podcast to learn how to enter for that. Now, One of the things that, when you think about spot and stock hunting, I think that an image a lot of people might have is just sitting on a glassing point with optics overlooking an area. And while that definitely is part of it, I think what gets glossed over is the amount of moving that's actually involved. In a lot of hunting scenarios, I find myself moving pretty often. What I'll be doing is checking different pockets, getting new angles on the terrain, and then just trying to figure out where the animals are. It's a combination of sneaking into a new spot and taking a peek, then moving on. This week, I'm going to give you some tips on the sneak and peek style of hunting. But before we do that, I want to share the story of a hunt I did recently for Outad. Now let's head down to the Rio Grande for some sneak and peek hunting at its finest. So a couple days ago, I actually got the opportunity to hunt Owdad down in Texas, which was a first for me. I've hunted them in New Mexico, but never in Texas. And this particular place happened to be right along the Rio Grande River. The first thing I would say about it was I was extremely surprised by the terrain. Now I've, I've heard about this particular area before. All these animals are, are free range. This is in pretty rural West Texas. And essentially, the area that we were hunting i mean it looked like the grand canyon is probably in that 2025 2700 foot range and then it's just like these 2000 foot cliffs dropping down to the river extremely sheer cliffs extremely rugged terrain just some incredible, incredible country. The way that the, I would say that the terrain was carved out is you could imagine like a river that's like, like a miniature grand Canyon or a grand Canyon of its own, where the water is essentially carved through the rock. And it's created these, these bands of cliffs as it's exposed all this rock. And it's got this perfect terrain for a mountain species. And the Outad have just kind of taken over this particular area. Now, Outside of that, where the river winds around and creates that type of country, there's all these drainages that have kind of done the same thing over time. So you have a lot of really broken country, which if you get a glassing point, you can look into some places, but you can't see everything. So essentially the tactic was kind of going out to these rims, peeking over the edges, moving around, getting different angles on whatever we could to try to figure out where these sheep are. Because it it seems like... At least with my experience of them, where I've hunted for them in New Mexico, is they they definitely move around a lot. I, I think they're a, generally a fairly nomadic species, but they just they can be one place one day and, and not there the next. So they move around a lot, and by doing so, essentially we have to move around a lot as well. So the first morning, set out with a, a buddy of mine, Ben O'Brien, and we kind of we went to this one spot where the guys. Uh, that we were there, that we met down there. Greg had seen Greg and Marshall had seen some sheep here the day before, like a big herd, and, and actually uh, someone that was with them took a, a really good one there earlier. So we so we started out in that position spot uh, the next morning when we arrived, and we just started walking. You know, kind of on foot, just hiking into this area, peeking into these little pockets. And the first few pockets we peeked into, there were no add, but did we did end up seeing a few javelina we get out to this one point and we're right on the Rio Grande River and we're glassing across which would be Mexico where we can't hunt but or hunt or even physically get to the thing about this country is it is so rough and rugged there is a majority of it that is physically inaccessible like you could find uh, the biggest dad ram you've ever seen in your life but it means nothing unless it's in a place where you could shoot it and retrieve it and i would say that that was Ninety-five percent of the country was unretrievable—just sheer cliffs, um, completely ungettable. Even with climbing ropes and rappelling gear, you'd have to be able, like, you'd have to have multiple belay anchors in there, and just it would be pretty much as impossible as it gets to get to some of this stuff or get to it and get out. So we're uh, glassing crossing. We actually spotted a a big ram across the border there, just bedded by itself and you as well a little bit further off and then kind of use the rest of the the morning to just keep walking peek into these new areas and see what was there and as you peek over you could see a certain amount of terrain you could definitely see maybe below you or across from you but then you'd have to move another a uh, little bit to look back in the direction that you're going while you're doing this i just realized how often this style of hunting comes up where it's maybe big wide open country where you can do a lot of glassing but it's broken enough where you can't see everything so fast forward to that evening we go to another spot and in this spot i we had a little bit more view so kind of go down start same tactic peeking in here there getting to a glassing point looking i sat down and and really started to pick apart some of the stuff a little bit further away two maybe three miles away and then I turned up uh, a group of three rams in one spot, particular spot, maybe about three miles away, two and a half miles away. And that was with the sp- through the spotting scope. I actually originally spotted something through the binoculars, but then I just needed to verify. I, I, it was Whatever I was looking at was gone, so I, I knew it was the right color and shape. And it was just so far away with the heat waves, I couldn't really tell. So I got out the spotter and started scanning that area, and sure enough, picked up some three-out ad. So I uh, kind of did that same glassing technique and, and looking at just different bands and places where they might travel and found another set of three, um, but there was just no time to get to them. The, the country is just so rough that there's there wasn't enough time to get there before dark. So next morning we go to another spot and the same deal, we, we start looking around and we start, we I drop down off this kind of like ledge area and I'm, there's like, if you think about the way that' it's been carved out, there's like almost like a rim rock effect where there's like a rim of rocks, then land behind it, then another rim of rocks. So along that edge is, is fairly flat and you could traverse that. So following this edge, peeking over, looking into all these amazing little pockets. and as I come around the next pocket, I could there was just all this sign and I start glassing and I, I pick up one big, nice ram. And he's just standing up on this like rock across from us at 350 yards, which would have been shootable. However, had I shot him there, he would have just fallen into oblivion. So the plan was now to just see what happens. So I sat there and waited, watched him, and he bedded in a good spot. I thought, okay, with him bedded, that'll give me an opportunity to move into maybe 100 yards, wait for him to get up, and then move off into somewhere where I saw either side of where he was bedded at could probably make a good shot so get into position so i start getting like creeping up there hike all the way around the wind's good everything's right get about at the time i assumed the plan I, I would be about 150 to 180 yards and the way the topography was i was probably about 200 yards by the time i got there so i sat up and i could see his his horns and just the back of him bedded and just decided to wait because if he got up and just went a little bit the way that he came from or whatever, I would have a shot and be able to retrieve him. So sure enough, we're sitting there, he's waiting, we're waiting, he pops up and just takes a few steps on the other side and disappears off the backside of what we don't know. So time to restock, get up, circle around, get to where he was, and he's just nowhere to be found. Look down below, there were some ewes and other things there, so I just keep getting different angles on him and cannot pick up the ram. He just gave us the slip. So uh, fast forward to that evening, we're moving locations to another spot and here come three rams over the ridge in front of us now they busted up over and dropped down the canyon we moved in pretty quick got the gun set up and and they just started to go up the ridge i was trying to film it well i had a guy with me filming so but you know i i, I actually had a shot on one of the rams on that like last push as they went up before they dropped into this canyon but I knew that he didn't have it in the video. So I just decided to wait and hold off. And this is like right before the evening, maybe about an hour before dark. So they dropped down the Canyon. And now it's time to just, I figured we we're going to catch up to them. We, we circle around and I don't see them popping out the other side. So I know that they're below us somewhere. So we start creeping down, moving, looking, just glassing. And sure enough, pick up the, one of the out down below us. So kind of that crouched down pack slung over the shoulder everything's moving fast like moving fast to get into position we were probably 450 yards at that point moved into about 200 yards they popped up I threw my pack down and got steady picked a spot and and sent a bullet and uh, hit the ram he ended up running off like it hit him good but also when something's on their feet I'm not gonna not shoot again so I, I'm pretty quick at shooting on the fly so reloaded shot again and then and then put him down and uh walked up to it great out ed ram first actually first ram that i've taken i've been on successful hunts i've taken other people but i've always opted to not be the the one shooting so it was just a, a really fun hunt and it was just a really fun hunt in a cool country where we had to just move around a lot and Move around a lot in order to just see a lot of it, and it was just one of those experiences where it was a. I think it was some of the coolest country I've been in in a very long time, and definitely some very surprising country where you you aren't really expecting how rugged those mountains are. I think I sent some people some pictures, some friends some pictures of where I was at. Like that's in Texas. That's insane. So anytime that I can go somewhere and kind of be blown away by the new country or what it looks like where we were, it was just an incredible, incredible hunt and a lot of fun. If we're going to talk about sneak and peek hunting, we got to kind of f- figure out what it is. And I think the main time that we would use this, this tactic is when you've got a lot of country that might be both tight and far. There's just country that you can't see without moving into it. And that really describes most of the places you're hunting. You've got valleys and ridges. You've got little pockets here and there. You might have a canyon or uh, something that blocks your view where you can't see everything that you might need to see. So what it involves is moving over into a new spot. And sometimes this stuff can be fairly close where you, you pop over in the canyon or Uh, The country you're looking into might be three to 500 yards across. Some of it might be bigger, but you kind of, as you move in, you never know what might be below you, what might be across from you. This tends to happen in really steep country as well because you can't really see everything because of the pitch of the hill. So you might be moving along, you can look and see a little bit, and then you got to continue moving to try to cover the country the best to your ability and so as you're moving you really have to kind of pop into these new areas with that anticipation that if there's something here i don't want to blow it out so my method is i i almost sneak into these spots where i go okay uh, I'm, I'm moving in like i'm essentially stalking like something's there and then i'm going to get set up and, and take a peek throw up my optics start to glass and and some of this is you might be glassing further off a mile whatever view you've got And then you've also got that, let's sneak up and look into these close pockets while I can then uncover new country as I move in those further distances. And that's a a tactic that works really well in so many places for so many different types of species. So let's go into the the steps that you're going to take when you're in this type of country, that kind of country where you have to move around a lot. There's a lot of new stuff to uncover especially in canyon country. this I find this in like a lot of situations for mule deer hunting, especially where you might be covering one side of the canyon, but you got to keep peeking over a rim, checking down below you glassing up further. And then as you move glassing back the other side that you couldn't see. So you might have a couple drainages that come down in each little pocket you pop into. You've got, you can look down and see one side of the drainage and you got to walk up and glass back on the other side. So I think that it's it's a tactic that you find a lot of places and the first step, no matter where you are, is you've got to get that wind right. Like, you've got to be moving into the wind. You, I plan my hunt route based on the direction that the wind's going. I was just thinking recently of uh, a hunt that I did last year, just a general Idaho over the counter mule deer hunt. And this is the exact tactic I use. I, I pick that ridge to hike up. As I'm hiking up, I'm, I'm looking, peeking over the other side and... The whole plan started with just first getting that wind right. The second thing you're going to want to do as you move into these new pockets, you need to start looking early. And what I mean by that is, you know, there, there might be a good spot where you've got a great vantage. And I think the mistake most people make is they just walk to that spot. Well, maybe they've walked to that spot and it's on a ridge and now they're skylined. And what they didn't do is they didn't start looking at this particular place from those further positions that just didn't have as good of a view. And why would you want to look at something that's from an area that doesn't have as good of a view? Because as you walk up to something, more terrain is revealed to you right but also more of you is revealed to more terrain so if the animals are in somewhere that you didn't see and you just kind of walk up to that spot you risk spooking them you risk skylining yourself you risk blowing things out or alerting animals to your position when you maybe could have spotted them from further back so when i go into that new area i'm always i'm not just going to a place and then glassing it i'm glassing my way into that place i'm i'm looking Around and and making sure that nothing else is there from the other angles that I get whenever I've got a view So as I move in, I'm continually looking at that new country There's been so many times where I just see people Especially when I'm just sitting back glassing from afar and see people kind of like moving into a new spot And they just walk up to the the best place where they can look over And that's when they decide to start looking And at that point the animals are already alerted They're looking up at them and it's just too late Another tactic that I like to think of is, is this idea of what I call scrolling. I've talked about it before, but it's where when you're moving into country, especially when it's a, a steep country and you've got, you're, you're above it and you're moving in to that country, as you move forward over the, a rise or a ridge, it's like more country is revealed to you, more terrain is revealed. Every step more is there. So as you take a few steps closer, you scan back and forth, almost like you'd read a book. As you walk forward, you just read the landscape in front of you. I will do that with both my natural eyes and my optics, just scanning, scanning, scanning until I get to that glassing spot. So that scrolling technique is a really important technique to remember, especially when you're moving into that new country where anything could be below you in that steep country, in that canyon country, in that rim country, essentially the country that's all high country type hunting, sheep, elk, mule deer, mountain goats, it's like stuff that we encounter on most Western big game hunts. But this is also a tactic you can use when you're hunting pronghorn as well as, you're, as you move through the prairies and other things. When more terrains reveal to you, that's when you start picking up your optics, scanning back and forth, and then slowly moving forward. Now, the next thing you're going to want to do in this type of country is you've got to get those new angles on it. There's so many times where, well, even just this last week, where we ended up seeing the bedded owdad where i ended up seeing it i looked in there three or four different times from just different angles and it wasn't until i dropped down and wrapped around and looked straight across that i could actually see one and then once i got over to his position there was a lot more use and other things that we couldn't see the terrain is the best thing at hiding animals you can't see what's not visible to you and that's of course duh right but if the terrain's blocking it all it takes is a little terrain block to make something look like i've covered this all um but there's nothing here and then you are revealed as you move you might look deeper into that can you realize there's a large percentage of country that's covered up and completely invisible and anytime there's country that's not visible then there's a place that an animal can hide. And if there's a place that there's an, an animal can hide, then that's a place that you need to look into. And when you're thinking about, okay, well, how often I'm going to, let's say this is a question I get asked all the time. Backpack hunt, I'm on a ridge, it's got food, water cover, it's got all this stuff. How long do I spend in this one spot glassing this? And my answer is, well, it depends on how much of it you can see. If you're looking at it and you go, I can see 100% of everything here, it's open. Okay, you don't need to spend that much time. But in order to see into all those places to cover it 100%, you're going to have to move around. So I might sit down glass for five minutes or, or maybe less, depending on how well I feel like I cover it. And then I go, okay, now it's time to move and look into this next pocket. A couple minutes there, looking, 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 nothing. Okay, that's covered. Now I realize, okay, if I move further this way, there's there's one other side of that ridge that I didn't see. And that might involve checking all this one particular area where I can see all these ridges and then moving to the other side and glassing back almost just where I was or peeking up over and checking down. So I'll be moving to all these spots, just looking into new places to cover that country to make sure that I've covered it effectively with my glass and then what I can't see moving to get that good vantage. Another way that I think of it, too, is the bigger the view, the longer I stay. So on this recent hunt, when I had an area where I could see a mile, two miles, and I had a great vantage point, what do we consider that classic glassing spot? I'm going to plop down, sit there, and let my eyes do the walking. And then once I feel like I've covered that all, then I can move. But the more country you can see, the longer it takes to cover. So I'll be on those those really good glass advantages for a lot longer period of time. And I'll probably choose to spend my time on those good vistas, those good glass advantages in those times when animals will move the most some mornings and evenings. But as the day starts to progress on, I'm going to find myself moving more, checking more country, peeking into different pockets, covering a lot more ground. And that's because in that middle of the day i can then peek in and maybe have an opportunity to sneak into a spot where something's bedded across and i'm glassing into the shade okay to see the shade in this other rim i've got to move so you're moving a lot more throughout the day and then in the evenings maybe you've got more place that you can go where you've got those bigger views those bigger vistas where you can just let your eyes do a lot more walking and still cover that country with your optics i think the one thing you want to think about whether you're moving into a new spot or on that glassing vantage, you know i think it's really important to just get comfortable and glass well if you're in a spot you want to make sure that the glassing that you are doing is effective glassing and that's one of the problems that i i think people run into when they're either new hunters or maybe they're just doing the sneak and peek style of hunting they're moving around looking for animals and when they're looking they aren't giving it a quality look. I don't know how many times I've, I've gone into a canyon, given it that once over stand up, glassing, 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 and think about moving on and then essentially find maybe a better vantage point where I could have seen what I was looking at and sit down and get really get my binoculars on a tripod or, or locked off on my knees and my hat and get a good back prop while I'm sitting down and then start glassing and pick out an animal. Go, oh, I missed that because I wasn't, really looking in the best way for an animal that blends in really well and the, the distance could be uh, greater than it looks sometimes. So I think that when you get into these spots, you definitely need to get comfortable and glass well. Pick up the, the tripod, pick up the spotter, or just you know be set, sitting down, locked off. That, that's the primary way that I glass, actually, to be honest. Is, I'll sit down, I lock my elbows on my knees, I pinch my binoculars on my hat brim, and I just, I cover the country. I glass and I, and I can do it fairly quickly that way, but I definitely think that it's a lot better than just standing up, looking around or, or not using my optics. And then if I've got more distance, then I go, okay, I'll, I'll take out my spotting scope. I'll throw these binoculars on a tripod. If it's windy or I feel like I'm not really covering it. The animal's really hard to see or there's a lot of cover. Uh, maybe I'm middle of the day trying to glass into some shade. Then I'll get that, extremely steady look through the binoculars on the tripod or through the spotting scope and then you know if you don't see anything continue to move so we're going to move and sneak to that next pocket or just get a better angle like from the bottom lower or higher on the mountain wherever we can go to just get a new angle and and look at new country one of the things that I think is important about this sneak and peek method is just Uh, being able to cover a lot of country there's a lot of places that you might hunt where you can't cover that much country very quickly it takes a lot of a lot of time to get around and, and check this new pocket check that other pocket but there are other places where hey maybe you might even be able to use a vehicle to assist in covering a lot of country where you can drive get to a glassing point sneak up into a new pocket glass that okay you don't see anything walk back drive to another location, creep into that pocket, uh, look around, glass around, get a new angle, and and relocate. There's so many times, too, where I'll be hunting one side. Maybe I'll, I don't know where I'm at, hunting. I'll, I'll get out in the morning. I'll do a morning hunt. I'll hike. I'll, I'll travel the whole day looking across, looking into that place, and then hike back to the vehicle for the evening, and then go hunt the other side of where I just was, just looking as pretty much underneath where i was hunting in the morning and you'd be surprised by going that distance and covering what you were at one time or the other looking back where you were and covering that spot that you can't is a really effective way to pick out animals in country that you know is extremely productive but you just can't find them Uh, especially in those times when it's like October mule deer hunting. I, I talked about similar tactics when it came to mule deer hunting in October, but October mule deer hunting, rifle elk hunting, late season, these are really good tactics when the animals are kind of holding a specific location and it's really hard to cover it all from one particular vantage. I hope you guys enjoyed that kind of rundown. I think that there's so many tactics that we talk about spot and stock and ambush tactics and a lot of other things but i think just the nuance of understanding how to effectively cover country makes you a more effective hunter for for all kinds of terrain for whatever you're going to be hunting you could go hunt out in west texas or mule deer in northern idaho montana and it's just going to be similar tactics just used in a different way so i think that that's extremely good way to think about a lot of the hunting styles and strategies that we talk about is just, okay, how can we utilize a combination of these strategies? You know, when, when I'm on any particular given hunt, it's not just one technique that I'm using. It's hundreds of different techniques to kind of suss out, figure out where the animals are and then how to proceed, get close and, and find that success. And by understanding a lot of different scenarios and then just maybe not, wasting time either where you go okay you get into a good looking spot and you say man this looks great but from your vantage point it looks really good and you aren't seeing anything that doesn't mean that the animals aren't there it just might mean that they're in a spot that you can't currently see so the the strategy is move and make sure that you can cover everything in that good spot before moving on and then move to another spot that looks good and do the same thing over and over and over until you find what you're looking for and can find some success So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. You know, we're going to be doing next week's got a live Q and A coming up, and I'm going to be recording that tonight. So it's Thursday. Was it March second at 6 p.m. tonight? You can call in, and we'll do our live call in Q and A. That's 6 p.m. Pacific time. One thing that I do suggest: check my social media. We last time we had a lot of technical difficulties, so. The number to call, that's why I generally don't give the number on this podcast. I want you to make sure to check the social media and uh, call in from that number. The number is the same every time, but uh, just make sure everything's going smooth. The way it works is you call in right at the time that it's supposed to go. We let in around 30 people, and then the calls get filtered through there. And one lucky caller is going to win a Stone Glacier pack this week for the live Q&A. So that's an incredible prize. I'm sure the lines will fill up in a matter of seconds. So if you want to get a chance for the pack and want to ask a hunting question, uh, give give me a call. Those are some of my favorite shows. I love talking with everybody and, and talking hunting strategy and tactics. And it's been a lot of fun to do those. So that's something to look forward to if you guys are interested. Speaking of giveaways, I just launched yesterday a giveaway for this hunt that I'm going to be doing through go hunt and outdoor class. And what I decided to do was it's it's been something that's been kind of on my mind for a while. And people have asked like, Oh man, I'd love to go on a hunt with you. And so I just figured, well, let's do something where we can give one away. And I tried to think of a hunt that I would consider just a a dream hunt, kind of a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I know for a lot of people, New Zealand is that place that, It's an incredible place to hunt, and it's a place that I I know really well and thought it would be really fun to do a hunt with someone there. So I'm going to be giving away a free-range fallow deer hunt in New Zealand, and the cool thing about this trip is pretty much everything's covered. We've got money for your airfare. We've got, you know, you'll be picked up. You'll be dropped back off at the airport. It's a pretty all-inclusive, all your whatever license fees and anything you need like that. All that kind of stuff is covered, so it's going to be it's going to be an incredible trip. I'm going to try to film it as well if the winner is okay with that. And we're going to be chasing some fallow deer in New Zealand. So you could take a rifle or a bow for the winner of this. And um, I prefer you bring a bow and then you can just uh, borrow a rifle or whatever for it. And it's there's the place that w- we'll hopefully be hunting on is gonna be a place that I've hunted quite a few times and it's got some incredible deer on it. So I'm just really, really excited to be able to do this, to be able to to give away a hunt. And the, the way that you enter, there's a few different ways. So it's kind of like you get multiple different entries for, you get different entries for the different things. So if you're subscribed to Go Hunt Insider, I think you get like 25 entries and then you can sign up for Outdoor Class or in the Go Hunt store for every $10 you spend, you get an entry for that. So in order to be entered in this drawing, you have to use code REMI because one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to make it specific to the people that listen and support and do all this. I didn't want it just generally open to everybody that signed up for Outdoor Class or whatever. So there's multiple ways to enter. If you're like, oh, I've, I've already done these things, then you can look at that's why the the Go Hunt store is available for entries as well. So if you haven't already signed up using that code Remy or code Live Wild, either one that gets you entered. So you can use code Live Wild, you can sign up for the Go Hunt Insider, you can sign up for Outdoor Class. That those both give you multiple entries or in the Go Hunt gear store. And in the gear store you get 10% off most items anyways, so it's a really good spot to buy your hunting gear. So I thought that would be a fun way to do a giveaway for hunt. I've never done anything like this, but the one reason that I wanted to do it kind of through Go Hunt like this was because it allows it to be not just through like social media or something. Because through social media, it's it could just be anybody that maybe isn't that into hunting. But for the people that listen to this podcast, I think that you guys are the definitely people that I want to go hunting with. So that's an option for for everyone. So if you're interested in getting signed up for those, it's only going to be for the month of March. Uh, The winner will be picked in April and this hunt will take place next year in 2024. So you have plenty of time to plan and, and get everything organized for the trip. So there's also a lot of other prizes. We've got a prize of a Vortex Optics package, a Yeti gift package, a Stone Glacier gift package, and then a Go Hunt Gear Shop credit. So, over $25,000 in prizes. It's a pretty incredible opportunity so I'm really excited about it. So like I said you're gonna get one entry for every ten dollars you spend in the go hunt gear shop. you'll get 15 entries uh, for signing up for outdoor class using code Remy and then also 25 entries signing up for go hunt insider using code Remy. We will be talking about uh, this hunt on a future podcast. So think about it. You could be the one that's like, I heard it on the podcast and then I ended up in New Zealand hunting fallow deer. So just best of luck to you guys. I'm really excited about that opportunity and I think it's going to be really fun. So let's just say until next week, well, what would be a sneak peek of next week? Oh, that rhymed. Can I just end it there? Okay. Awkward goodbye. Catch you guys later.